Welcome, everybody, to The Outside Edge, a podcast about all things water sports, the good, the bad, and the ugly, things that have happened in the past, and hopefully things will happen in the future. I'm your host, Dave Briscoe. And sitting right next to me, Mikey Lee. Hello, everyone. Hi, Mike. How are you? How's it going, man? (laughs) It's good to be here. It's good to have you here and finally get things underway. We had a little bit of trouble getting things rolling this morning. We did. We did. But we're good, man. We're good now. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's it's hard. Sometimes a little blue pill. You know, if they had a little... (laughs) If they had a little right. blue pill for electronics, that, that would dangle be dangle it right in front of the microphone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. It's like a carrot. You can do it. Uh, uh, speaking of carrots, uh, how about our co-host, Shannon Best? What's up, Bestie? Hello, hello, hello. What's going on? How are you, man? I am excited. Uh, I saw you, Shannon. We're doing this on Skype with Shannon, obviously, and he was in a dark room. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Shannon Best in a dark room is one scary thing to see. It's like that old Connolly poster with the flames. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Similar. Yeah. I am I am a very handsome fella. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Dude, so I was looking at the numbers before we started the podcast today, and our numbers are starting to hit, guys. I mean, the, the Patreon account's growing. Thank you, everybody that, that loves the show. And if you do love it, you know, we got plenty of uh, free shows going on. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. We got plenty of, of, of free shows that everybody can listen to. But if you do really love it, you want the bonus episodes, they're there and they're available. And sometimes we uh, get a little more edgy, if you know what I'm talking about. So uh, those are going really well. And, and please remember to keep friending us on Facebook and uh, help us spread the word. Absolutely. Yeah. Share every episode that you can. If you share it on Facebook, on your own page, like the uh, Outside Edge on Facebook and Instagram, uh, that'd be a huge help for us. Yep. And also give us a review. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, do us all a favor and give us a review. Give us a five-star review if you can, uh, because whether you believe it or not, those reviews actually are a huge, huge help to gain us uh, a following. So we really appreciate everybody. If you could do that and give us a review, follow our social media pages. Only if you like it, though. No, even if you don't like it. <laughs> even if you don't like it, like everything. All right, you can, yeah, do yeah. you can do that. <laughs> so I got to tell you about something I don't like. Shannon, you're not going to believe this. So last week we finished the episode, and Mike's got this poor little dog. And this little dog is, how old is he not, now? Not, not Buster. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, Buster. yeah Buster. Yeah, he's yeah. only 15. Buster. Yeah, He's 15 Buster years old, balls, and he, he's easily a 40-yard dog. I mean, you could 40 yarder? What do you mean? You could throw him like a spiral. At least oh, absolutely. 40 yards. Like he's a little <laughs> yeah, dude. He's a little right? fellow, yeah. Well, he's got a clogged up uh, anal gland. And Mike goes, uh, hey, I need you to give me a hand before you leave. <laughs> and I'm, I'm literally <laughs> holding Buster by the head while Mike takes his meat paws and tries to shove his pinky <laughs> up the dog's sphincter to try to loosen up a turd. Have you done, have you done this before? Oh, oh. oh, it worked, man. It, it Dude, was... are, you a, are you a vet? I mean, no. Going... Nobody. You stayed at, you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> I, uh, oh, the yeah. poor well, dog. Man, oh, the so let, me guess, let me guess. Buster, Buster wouldn't leave you alone for the rest of the day, right? Yeah, follow me. Yeah, he was following me around. Oh, thing, my right? God. I come in today. I'm like, how's the dog doing? He goes, dude, I never thought I would have to finger bang my dog this many times <laughs> in my <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> I, I just, it was so important, bad. man. I oh. had to get it out. The poor dog's looking uh, at me and he's shivering. He's just like going, mm, <laughs> mm. <laughs> using the whole fist, doc. Uh, man. Oh. Give him a little what prostate little exam there. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, I don't mind getting a prostate exam. I only get nervous when I feel two hands on my shoulders. <laughs> 
I always look for a doctor with small fingers. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you go in and shake their hands and just as you're shaking it, just kind of give it a solid look. Go, yeah. Nah, I'm going to move on to the next one. Thanks yeah. for your time. They never bite their nails. Those guys never bite their nails. Those sons of bitches. Yeah. They will. They will nibble your ear though. <laughs> wow. So right. anyway, we uh, we've got a cool guest today, Mike. We 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 brought a you know a lot of people think that they know the history. And I'm going to hand this yeah. one over to Shannon because uh, this is a big deal. So, Shannon, it's all yours, brother. This is a huge deal. I'm excited. Today on the show, we have the legend, the, the man, the myth, the legend. He is the first. He has more firsts in wakeboarding history than any other person. He's introduced. He has, he has made more power couples in the industry than anybody else. He introduced Tony Finn and Jimmy Redmond together. Who everybody thinks started the sport, but actually if he introduced them, I guess he started the sport. Exactly. Uh, so let me start. Let me just start ripping off some accolades here. He, was, he had the first shop in Colorado, which sold the first set of wakeboards, which was the Mesquite from Australia and the Scurfer which was uh, Tony Finn's from the States. Uh, he hosted the first Nationals, which was in Colorado. He was a judge at the first Worlds. Can anyone guess who it is yet? Should uh, I, should I, I should keep going, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's got to be... Uh, uh, Tony Soprano. <laughs> he introduced Eric Perez to Herb O'Brien. Oh, man. How's that? Hawaiian. That's huge, right? Wow, the flying Hawaiian. Yep. He was also in West Palm Beach when it was all going down there with Mike Ferraro and Chet Rayleigh. He helped discover Darren Shapiro. Oh, my God. Wow. Who yes. could it be? Who could it be? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tommy Phillips. Right on. It's a real pleasure and honor and a privilege to be here on your show today. Wow, good to hear from you, Tommy. Been a while, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you again. Wow. So, I, wow, it's so many questions for you. So, Go ahead. For, the Rock. first question I got, why the hell do you open up a water ski shop in Colorado? How's you know, that happen? I've been asked that so many times, and I'll tell you why. Pure starvation. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing the guitar. You know, and uh, I tell you, back then, I think I made $40 a night playing the guitar. And uh, I had sold a few skis for Herb. Herb O'Brien was my brother-in-law back in uh, high school and junior high. I sold a few of his wooden skis. Okay. You know, and I thought, man, you know, he just started this HO company. I think I'm going to give a, give a shot at him. Sure enough, I go down to, I get one ski from him. I go to the lake took me about an hour and I sold it and I made 50 bucks. Well, me, I go ahead and spend the 50 bucks on a party and then realize, <laughs> oh shit, I better pay Herb for this ski. So I ordered another one, told him his check was in the mail. I sold the second one and, and got him that money for that one real quick. And I was about one ski behind for the first three years. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. How old were you when, you, when this all started? <laughs> Oh, 170 or so. I don't know. <laughs> no, I was, I was 30. 30, I was okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, did you, were you did you have a boat shop or? or were, were... No, no. I just had a pickup truck. I had an old '67 <laughs> Chevy pickup truck, and I would literally get a peanut butter sandwich, put it in a brown bag, and I had a one gallon uh, milk uh, plastic container that I'd fill with tap water, and I'd put it and hold it between my legs because I didn't have the lid to it. <laughs> And, and I'd still shift the four speed, and that was my store, one ski at a time. Wow, so you, nice. So you, just, so you didn't even have a boat. You'd just go down the lake. Yeah, the I, I'd mooch everything, you know, and I, I'd go down there, and usually people would feed me, and they'd give me a pull behind the boat, and I'd, sometimes I'd get some girls' phone numbers, and I'm going, hey, man, this is working out. I've doubled my income. I was selling one ski a day. Every time I went out, I'd sell a ski. Wow. And as soon as I'd sell it, I'd go home, you know, take a nap and get ready for the gig. Go play. What a what a gig. What, what a, a life. Yeah. Man. The dream life. <laughs> wow. So, and now you're talking, this is early 80s, right? We're talking 82-ish or somewhere in there? 81, I actually did all the paperwork and everything for Tommy's at the time. That's when February 7th, 1981. Okay. That's when the paperwork was filed, and I was officially a business. And when when did the first wakeboard come through the store? Um, 1984, uh, when when I went to MTech in Chicago, uh, Wellington Puritan was there with the new McSki boards that they had licensed, and they had three of them up there. Uh, from Bruce, and I think actually yeah. I think Bruce McKee was actually at that trade show. I believe so too. They yeah. didn't do real well uh but at the end of the show i went back and said well you know what i'll take two of those three and so they sent me two of those three a purple one and a yellow one the yellow one uh, i bought back a few years ago and it's at the tommy's in denver and i took those things to the lake and hardly anybody could get up on them uh, i finally had to do a dock start to get up on it but man there was a lot of interest and i sold both boards the same day i took them out no kidding uh, so wow. so that was the board so yeah. that was the actual board i started on tommy no kidding that's yeah, why I, yeah i started on a mixed yep. i'd love yep. to get a photo of that if you've got one tommy i'll post one up on our site so everybody can see it but i would love to show people you know, that first board and, and what it was all about. I'm just really I surprised. I can pick up a photo of it, and if not, I can call the Denver store. They they have it on display there. But, yeah, that was that was a whole year ahead of Scurfer, and I'm telling you, you know, Tony doesn't really enjoy that story getting out, but it's just the truth, and I don't yeah. think it's derogatory towards his uh, legacy by any means, but uh, you know, I think he always enjoyed being the father of wakeboarding. Where really it goes way back uh, to the guys in New Zealand and uh, then to Australia and then Australia to America. Well, and that was called the uh, a surf ski, right? So, I mean, we could still give Jimmy and, and, and Tony maybe the sure. benefit of a wakeboard, but that yeah. was if it wasn't for that, you know, we, we wouldn't have been where we are now yeah i was in the 70s that the scurfboarding uh new in new zealand alan byrne and kevin jarrett they had hand shaped some narrow foam boards and they had a large keel on them and you know that was uh they started calling it the hot scurf board i believe is what uh if tony clarich has a pretty amazing history of wakeboarding that he's com compiled and we're now sending that 
around to different people to to get their facts and artifacts and photographs and everything to to legitimize this whole wakeboarding timeline that goes way back a lot further than we ever discovered. Yeah, that's awesome. Tony actually just contacted me last week. He's going to be in my town the 29th of January, and he's a big fan of the show already. So nice. He, so he really wants to sit down and exactly do that, you know, help with some of the history that you're helping with right now, which, right. which, which is awesome. I was just shocked to learn that McDonald's was in the ski industry. It was? Yeah, with the McSki that oh, you guys Oh, the McSki, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? That's a cheap one. That's a cheap one. <laughs> Which, right. What number combo do I order to get the McSki yeah. with my value meal? <laughs> the greasy one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, Tommy, I got to ask you I this. I just now. want everybody to know I waited a really long time to get that joke. Yeah, it was very patient. I'm proud of Very patient. That was good. And no, and no buttons after no, that? No, no, no. That was, it, was, it was perfect. Okay, that was good. It was a nice, <laughs> nice, nice little slip in. <laughs> uh, so, Tommy, we're talking early 80s. So, the, um, snowboarding must have been, and you're in Colorado, so you're in the mecca of when snowboarding really started. Right. We were, I was one of the first uh, Burton dealers there. This was not a good time for snowboarding, though. They had these weird fins on the bottom of them, and almost everybody that went out got hurt on them. So it was a tough time. Uh, Butch Bendell, a member of the Dirty Dozen, was making boards that were far superior to Bur- Burton's. They were local, and okay. Butch went on to be a, uh, one of the best wakeboarders in our early contest there could do a front flip like nobody. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of synergy going back and forth there. In fact, you know, if I raced forward, we had the first, uh, snow wake contest in Colorado. And I believe we called it wake fest back then, but, uh, I, our board fest. I'm not sure what the name was. I'll have to go back and look. I think was I was so actually many- at that because I was on tour for freestyle jumping at the time. And I would show up at some of these other events to do demos and, and introductory stuff for cool. Wake. So, yeah, I, I think I was at that. And so how much older isn't snowboarding like two years older than wakeboarding? It's not much. Two to five years. Um, it just depends on, you know, um, I don't really remember snowboarding when I had the McSkis, but um, it c- could have been and I just wasn't part of it at the time they're they're real close to the same yeah yeah absolutely wow such a cool so we were talking to who did we talk to the other day on the podcast that said we asked who the first flip was and they thought that oh, it was todd, todd weatherill ted weatherill and he, he swore to god it was um craig craig, craig llewellyn. llewellyn so so you had just mentioned the front flip of this other guy but craig was already doing inverts before that yes okay well, and, you know, Craig was a world-class trick skier, sure. too. So, I mean, he could jump on a trash can lid and do a flip, I'm sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> wow. That is such a cool piece of the pie there. So so then what? Where, where do we go from there? Well, you know, Tony and I met the following year at M-Tech, and, uh, you know, he had, he had raced to market, and we met, and I stepped up, and I went, wow, these are a whole lot better than the McSki, and I ordered quite a few boards from him. Now, did Tony know about the McSki? Had he already been on that? You know, he had been over in Australia, and, you know, I'd rather Tony speak for himself, yep. but there's quite a bit of history on that, and he had tried to form a 
partnership over there, and finally, I believe he got the the rights to use the name Scurfer in the United States. So okay. we met, you know, in 80, uh, 85 there at MTech, and I became his biggest dealer right off the bat. And then in 1986, uh, Tony said, well, hey, man, why don't, why don't you have a contest? You know, it's your... Uh, your little festival thing because we had these contests where we did everything sure and and in retail that was my whole goal the more stuff i could sell the more money i could make so i had i had kneeboarding and i had hot dog skiing and i had slalom skiing and everything we could get and we added uh, wakeboarding to it tony finn was a judge tony clarich was a judge it was pulled by a supra boat one of those uh, ts6ms oh yeah yeah. Out at Soda Lakes, there was nine guys that entered, and a guy, a skateboarder named Ed Arenas, actually won the event, okay. and uh, still has the little trophy for it, and uh, sends me a photo once in a while. So we had nine guys there, and you know that was that was a pretty cool little thing. That was a little birth, and I believe the next summer at the Kneeboard Festival down in Austin is where Jimmy and Shannon, uh, they had a little exhibition tournament down there as well. So things were kind of kind of popping around in other people's heads. So there was like this collective consciousness, even though people weren't communicating, they were all thinking the same thing. Sure, sure. I was reading one article that said that when you introduced Jimmy Redman and Tony Finn to each other, they were you were selling both their boards. I was. Well, I brought them both to the boat show. But I was really afraid they were going to be at each other's throats because <laughs> sure. I had no idea. Because, you know, Tony's a real aggressive salesperson. Yep. And uh, I had actually uh, was part of this little buying group in, in, in Texas because my sister used to own the slalom shop down there. And so I called Buzz Watkins constantly uh, from Salinski. And I was griping about the scurfers falling apart and how it was killing me. And he goes, well, man, the Jimmy Redmond just came out with this new board, and uh, you ought to try it. And, of course, we did. And uh, I know we only got 30 minutes here, but Jimmy sent it up, and uh, Butch Bendell was our first tester. And he went out and just went crazy on it. But I believe we broke his, too. And, you know, Jimmy sent another one. And, you know, it was the same old thing. Uh the products were better, but it was the following fall after we had tested Jimmy's boards that I had Jimmy and Tony both at the booth, and I had them on opposite ends, and old Finn is selling board after board after board, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Jimmy's not selling a damn thing. He's down there giving the molecular structure of the universe <laughs> right. to people. And Tony Finn goes up behind him and goes, dude, close them. <laughs> right, right. I can hear Tony. <laughs> later i'm you know introducing the guys i brought them to the middle of the booth and i said well hey you guys need to know each other and i'm telling you they shook hands and walk off and they were best friends and are still friends to this day that is so awesome yeah i was just texting jimmy last week and uh love hearing from these guys so much all the time now it's it's great now was jimmy's board was it a compression molded board at the time or was no, it it was it was fiberglass it, oh yeah, it was a fiberglass, fiberglass. I, i'm not making them out of fiberglass they're like surfboards okay because tony's was more of a foam filled uh plastic yeah tony's was a roto, tony's was a roto molded board yeah so it was like the mcski um and jimmy's was like they do you remember the brand kirkland hawaii right yes 
Yeah. They were all Jimmy's was made in the same process. So he was hand laying them kind of like a surfboard. Yeah, it was a super, super beefed up surfboard. That's all. That's what it was. Fiberglass surfboard type of deal. Right. Smaller fans. Yep. Yeah. Rocker. <laughs> all the essentials. Stuff. Right. It must it have been was... wider. It must have been wider than the scurfer. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yep. Wider. Wider. You. So, do you have any of those boards laying around? They do in Denver. I don't personally. I gave. Yeah. I willed all that stuff to the store when yeah. I sold the store in 2012. We'll have to do that. We'll have to get one of the guys at the shop to give us a photo of them both next to each other. So, because I would love to have that up on the. You know, the great thing about this podcast is we've really been trying to nail the actual true history of how we got where we are because it's kind of get lost. You know, we're, we're going back 30 plus years now. Amen. You know, well, and that's why we started the hall of fame. You guys, I mean, uh, I had seen several historical accounts and, uh, you know, Billy McCaffrey did a really good one, but he omitted the first 10 years because he wasn't around for the first 10 years. Sure. It wasn't because, you know, he was trying to do anything. Uh, are trying to omit he's just you know taking it back as far as he knew so we saw all of these people the pat McElhenney's and the eric perez's and the lance brugs and uh andrea and so many people that really we thought never got their due and we saw the history getting completely polluted and we said hey we got to gather around before it's too late yeah. and get well, this stuff down and make sure we honor all the Eric Smaltz's and the Tom Carter's and everybody else that nobody talks about. But Eric Perez wasn't even inducted. Like, and he, what? he was the first, he was, he was the first. Two you know, time he was, champion, first yeah. guy ever. I mean, man. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't Darren. It was Eric Perez. That's, that's, that was the first person I saw in a magazine or on a video. And that was it. I was like, that's the guy right there. That's Where the, the hell is he now? Right. Does any? That's who we got to get on. Where is Eric now? I think he's back in Hawaii. I think isn't he? I believe so. Um, Dano interviewed him. You know when we inducted him, and you know I tell you, I was very proud to see Eric up there because I had mentioned him to the Wake Awards and just gotten the cold shoulder about the whole thing, and I'm going, guys. First world champion, two times. Two time world champion, back. yeah, back to back. You yeah. Know, I mean, how much you, we wouldn't have a sport if it wasn't for Eric Perez. And yet, you know, uh, you wouldn't believe some of the disgusting excuses I got back while they wouldn't induct me. Right. But uh, we said, you know what, we're going to form our own Hall of Fame and we're not going to wait on the water skier Hall of Fame that yeah. just does this stuff so they can say they represent everybody. Right. Yeah. Can, exactly, can you elaborate yep. on the disdain in your voice just now? I would like to understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tommy. Tommy's correct. Tommy. Tommy is you know one hundred percent correct on that. You know we, you know the the water ski hall of fame have their own agenda and the uh, wake awards have their own agenda as well too. So which is you know unfortunately you know politics and money and all the rest of this type of stuff. But um, the wakeboard hall of fame is it's it's one hundred percent voluntary. And and all and all those bunch of guys that all of us bunch of guys are just doing is basically just collecting and just telling it how it was, just doing the truth, sticking well, to the facts, sticking to the truth. That's what this podcast is all about. We're gonna take it over, damn it. We're gonna get everybody getting along together. <laughs> I'm sick of this shit. Getting along, screw that. <laughs> uh, protest in the streets. 
<laughs> Cats and dogs living together. That's right. And oh, more bikinis. <laughs> yeah. I think that should be a rule if we could pass that down, that uh, Dave Briscoe has to wear a bikini top every time he wakeboards from this day forward. <laughs> Actually, I kind of I kind of need one now. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, up to a B now? You're up to a B? <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Strong B. <laughs> wow. So... so so Tommy, you mentioned. I see. I didn't realize you used to play guitar. You were, you were first a guitar before you were a water skier. Well, when- I've been a musician my whole life. Actually, I played drums too. So you know, I played drums all through junior high and first rock band in 1964. And uh, you know, I played last Saturday night. So it's it's a ongoing addiction that I just can't get enough of. That's, That's awesome. great. And Where- then, uh, so I'm going to just jump forward here a little bit, but you opened up a second Tommy's in West Palm Beach, correct? That's correct. And that was, but it was Tommy's... Certain what- Slalom yeah. and Guitar. And Guitar. And I just always loved that. And I was like, <laughs> and Guitar. Sell every single thing that I loved in life. And I tell you, Shannon, I got ridiculed big time when I came up with that name and the people at my store were mad as hell at me and they said I've gone off the deep end and I'm going to go broke and all of their jobs were in jeopardy well I went right down there and uh, the first thing that happened is right off the bat when I ordered my telephone the little lady behind the phone thought it was really cool and the next day marketing went in and said hey we're looking for unusual businesses to feature on this giant television campaign and sure enough you know make a really long story short I got picked and they came in with this huge film crew and filmed me and money started falling out of the sky and in huge amounts and next thing you know I made the halftime Super Bowl commercial in the number one prime spot and I'm telling you the telephone about Blew off the wall, and everywhere I'd go, all these people. <laughs> everywhere I'd go, people come up. You know, I'm having trouble with my telephone. Do you think you could help me? And I said, "Man, I'm just an actor." You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. great. I got paid a bunch of money, and the shop blew up. And all of a sudden, that little shop in Florida was doing more money on the retail side than my store in Colorado. So I had a little bit of sweet revenge there. And what made wow, you go to amazing. West Palm? What what made you go that way? Was it just the year-round warmth, or what was it? Yeah, well, I had I worked it down there, uh, it uh, Dave, for a long time. I worked with Chet and Mike Ferraro. I, what I did is I taught dealers how to how to be good. Um, I had had a lot of success early, and Herb said, let's just clone Tommy. Let's take him to Florida, and we'll fly 25 dealers a week down there, and they'll learn all about our stuff, and they'll learn how to set skis up, and they'll learn how to promote, and they'll learn how to do boat shows, and they'll learn how to do mailers, and they'll learn how to get cable advertisement for cheap. They'll learn all of Tommy's secrets. Right. And uh, so that's what we were doing, and I just loved it because I could spend all winter, you know, down in Florida skiing and staying in shape, and we were – you know, as soon as the hyperlight came out, I'm telling you, that thing wasn't at that lake two hours before we were sawing the fins off of it, uh, sawing the back off of it square, taking a file to the edges. It was just, it was an incredible, fertile background sure. for the development of our sport. Yeah, right. And it was it was growing so fast then. Everything We were changing yeah, yeah. weekly. That's, 
that's a whole that's a whole story within itself. Taking the hype, the original Hyperlite, and um, I heard I actually I heard all the rumors about it where they'd taken the original Hyperlite and basically turned it into a large Trix key into the Hyperlite Pro. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so this must, so, yeah, that must have been like when we first started the show, we were talking about those days. So this is kind of the filler. It's like the Star Wars sequel. We're going, we went a little bit backwards. It's a little prequel. Yeah, yeah little exactly. Prequel. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's yeah, sorry, that was, I didn't mean to jump forward. Uh, Paul Frazier from Canada uh, has an incredible historic, all the drawings, uh, emails, letters that went back and forth with Herb O'Brien. It's really fascinating, and Paul deserves a lot of credit. And a lot of people say Paul actually coined the usage of wakeboarding um, and that term wakeboard versus ski board. I remember being there at some of the discussions yeah. at a sales meeting. I think, uh, you know, Jimmy was doing the same things simultaneously. Yeah. It, it, again, well, well. As a, as a, coming from a rider's standpoint, you know, going, you know, it was great to have an option instead of water skiing because I, I was originally a skateboarder. So then I got to stand sideways when everyone was going water skiing. So I thought right. that was awesome. But going from the McSki to the Hyperlite was, it was, it was just absolute mind blowing. And then from the Hyperlite, the original Hyperlite to the Hyperlite Pro was right. an, another whole huge step in development. I mean, it, we're talking a board that was all of a sudden, you know, you could do all these array of tricks were open to you. You know, yeah. it gave you the options. It gave you, you know, it gave you the, 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 the tool to be able to throw all these new tricks. Well, that was the deal, you know, I mean, because that's why I had mentioned that um, snowboarding was a little bit older because the skiers, the snow skiers were all trying to kick the snowboarders off the hill and nobody wanted them there. Like you couldn't snowboard anywhere back then. And then right. one mountain let the snowboarders on and all of us, you know, they weren't going to stop. I mean, they love what they were doing. So they needed their own identity. And that's why snowboarding, you know, separated from snow skiing. And I think that's, that we were exactly trying to do the same thing. You know, the skiers hated us. The skiers hated seeing the wakeboarders out there. But, you know, you're not going to stop it. Once, once you just get that going and people start having fun, you're not going to stop it. So jump, jumping back real quick to Tommy, I, I do remember you, you're going to have to elaborate on this. I, I caught the tail end of when we used to go to the trade show in September um, for the Surf Expo, and they used to give away awards. Correct, yes. And it was awards like top store, top right. shop. Retail dealer of the year. Please elaborate on that. And how many of those did you, got, did you win? Well... I, I won the first one, and they w wouldn't let you win it every year. Um, I thought I deserved that it every bastards. year, but they wouldn't let us do that. But, you know, that's me and a big ego there. <laughs> but um, I believe nine times through 2013, and when I sold the store at that time, I'd won more than anybody else. Uh, Bill Porter's probably tied with that by now if not gone ahead of me uh, since I bowed out. But we were kind of alternating. Randy Casper was also in there. He did a tremendous job and and won just about as many as we did. But uh, Wow. Where was, where was Randy based out of? I was number one when I bowed out. But it was, it was a wonderful stretch, man. And I've always loved 
those presentations, especially at SeaWorld. I don't know if you guys remember those. Man, they'd take everybody out there. They had all the riders. They had all the boats. You know, they had hydrofoils. They had guys doing mobs over the jumps. It was such an exciting time for our industry, and it brought us all together. And that's one thing I still think needs to happen is if we could somehow all come together and promote all kinds of things other than just uh, water skiing or just wakeboarding or just barefooting or just show skiing or just kneeboarding, seeing it all together would be wonderful. The lifestyle of it. That's I'm with you 110%. Hey, Tommy, can we get you back maybe for a bonus episode and get deeper into that? You bet. All right. That's that sounds good. So I, I really want to get with Tom, like all of these accolades in history are just absolutely amazing. But in the bonus episode, I really want to hear about the first time you banged a girl on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We will get the then that's what it takes, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want these bonus episodes, we are going to do one with Tommy. We're going to do one. And actually, we're going to do it right after this episode. But you're going to be able to hear it through Patreon forward slash the outside edge patreon.com forward slash the outside edge it only costs two bucks a month come on two dollar two dollars two dollar make you holler yeah for it me love you long time absolutely i'll give you a wakeboard lesson in the middle of that that's worth more than 24 dollars a year (laughs) you know (laughs) you can handle it so i'd like to thank tommy first of all thank you for coming on brother i really appreciate getting the story thank you guys and shannon how about your your plug, your your weekly plug? My, my plug, I would like it's the same plug as every week. I like to plug the Wakeboarding Hall of Fame. Go check them out, www.wakeboardinghallofame. Uh, soon all the podcasts will be up on that as well too. Absolutely. And yep. this episode was brought to you by Pull Water Sports. Pull Water Sports is a great shop up on Lake Lanier in Georgia. They do a lot of mail order stuff as well. They've got all the biggest brands. They've got Radar, Liquid Forest, Connolly O'Neill, Rusty, Phase 5, plenty more. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram just under Pool Water Sports or online at PoolWaterSports.com. Every great day begins with a pull. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time on The Outside Edge. Keep listening.